Hello and welcome to That Band Life, a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling so we can be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This is episode 102, Concert Festival Preparations. I'm Bobby Lambert, a partner at Dynamic Marching and director of bands at Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. I'm flying solo today, bringing you some ideas about Concert Festival. It's that time of year for most of us, and depending on your state, these evaluations can have implications on jobs, future, or current, uh, on pay. But for all of us, festival represents a measuring stick to measure our progress as well as the programs. Today we're going to be talking about Concert Festival two weeks out. What I usually tend to do is to think about the big picture stuff. Like, for example, how do we get there and what do I need to do to make that happen? It has to start with planning your logistics and just looking at travel. Here, you have to become a time lord. I always set the schedule when I was at Marion and much of the time I'm at Wando. Each year, I try to keep notes on any delays or things that notoriously slow us down. I've become adept at setting the arrival times relatively accurately, so here are some of my secrets. Use the idea that it will always take a little longer to get to your destination, unloaded, and to warm up than you think. I use the rule that for every hour we're on buses, we're going to lose 10 minutes. So if a trip should take three hours, I usually allow an extra 30 minutes of travel time just to make sure that everything is set. You want to get to the destination within about 45 minutes before your warm-up time. The instrument retrieval, the assembly, and travel will take about 20 minutes, but that extra time allows for slow, careful movement and assumes there will be a problem that needs your attention. So the preliminary thoughts at this time of year, it's detail time, both musically and logistically. So on the musical side of things, we want to make sure that we have all the extra scores ordered and then numbered. If you're using an old score, please erase everything. Every time I have not done that, I've had a judge say, well, you wrote a a crescendo right here, but I didn't hear it. Your writing one was the right idea. Your not doing it was the wrong one. So don't give away anything by giving old scores in which you have already written. Make sure they are completely erased. At some point, you will forget a score. I have. There has been nothing more deflating than telling your kids you cost them a rating. So think now, where will I keep my scores so that I cannot forget them? Not where will I remember them, but where can I not forget them? And I usually have about two or three kids whose job it is to make sure they ask me to see the scores. Concert dress. Now, over the last couple of years, this has become a really uh, difficult topic. For example, I have had at least two students in the last four years asked to wear an amended outfit due to gender issues. What you need to do and what I did was first check out your school or your district's policy. They likely will already have something in place so you don't even have to think about it. But if they don't, for my money, this is not a battle worth fighting. If someone is genuinely going through discernment or transition, your concert dress is not worth upsetting their world anymore. They have enough issues to deal with. If this is something that continues to creep in, I would suggest getting a concert dress catalog and allowing kids to see what they would like to wear. If they give you a list of about 10 different things that they think are great, you choose four or so of them and say, these are the acceptable concert dress outfits that I will approve of. That way you've kind of gotten out of the crosshairs and allowed students to make a little bit of choice. Hair color. 
This is something I'm a little bit of a stickler about. I had a student try and dye their hair blue one time before concert assessment, and I would not allow them to perform with us. My reasoning behind that is because our concert dress, our appearance on stage is to show our unity as a band. And when one person has different colored hair, they're really all about their differences and their individuality rather than about the group. So I make a, I make a statement that everyone should have natural occurring hair color, as in it should be a color that is not out of the spectrum of DNA during a performance. If someone wants to dye their hair blonde or black or whatever, as long as it's not going to take attention away from the entire group, then I'm, I'm okay with it. But I, I do feel that it should be something that we are all in together. Jewelry. Now, some people really make a go all out with what's allowed and what's not allowed. We have a little bit more of a strict policy with our marching uniforms, but with jewelry, you may have to make the call. Uh, unfortunately, what happens is people will like to press the boundaries. So I kind of am of the mindset of set the rules a little more strictly than you would like them to be. And then when somebody likes to stretch them a little bit, it's still something you can be okay with. Think about what you've seen and what you felt is classy and go that direction. Same with makeup. With our folks, we just simply ask them to be modest. This shouldn't be anything that takes attention away from anyone else. Shoes and socks or slash hose. I am a bit of a stickler on this. Gentlemen who are wearing concert black should have black socks. Ladies who are wearing concert dresses should have hose and that should be the appropriate color. Um, I also think that dress shoes are the only acceptable shoes if that's available. Uh, I think that the concession that I would make is that the shoe has to be all black. Uh, most students, even if you go to Walmart, can find an all-black shoe very reasonably priced. Now, here's the thing that you're going to tend to forget. Your concert dress. You need to make sure that two weeks out, you have taken it to the cleaners. Whether that's tuxes, whether that's dresses, whatever it may be, you want to take that to the cleaners two weeks in advance. I made the mistake of waiting until five days out, and the place lost my tux shirt. Luckily, my colleague, Jeff Handel, gave me literally the shirt off his back for our spring concert about two years ago so that I could conduct the band. Um, you want to make sure that you have two weeks out so that you have everything taken care of when it comes to your concert dress. That's the last thing you want to think about on that special day. This podcast is coming to you ad-free, by the way. One way you can support us is by visiting our website, dynamicmarching.com and purchasing products through our store at some of the most discounted prices on the web, on things like shoes, rifles, and even mega boxes. You'll definitely also want to check out our online courses and videos as well. These have helped thousands of band directors with pedagogy, music, and marching fundamentals. Now let's get into a little bit more of the nitty gritty about things in preparation for the band. Here's one that people tend to miss. Are all of the mutes accounted for? This is especially tough if you have multiple bands that are using the mutes that maybe you have. Uh, for example, at Marion, I can remember several times we had a certain number of horn mutes and one group would think the other group was supposed to get them and so we left them at home. Make sure that you have all mutes accounted for and that one person is in charge of having them for each of the bands. Not one in each band, but literally one person that it is their sole responsibility 
to have mutes there for everyone involved. Is your repair kit up to date or is there anything that needs to be replenished? Do you have plenty of reeds? Do you have valve oil, slide grease? Do you have Valentino pads? Now, if you don't know what that is, check them out. They're great uh, kind of substitute pads that you can use in a pinch. They're not going to last for weeks on end, but in a really bad spot where a clarinet pad falls out and we can't find it anymore, Valentino pads have saved me more than once. Small screwdrivers. Go to a Northern Tool store, go to a hardware store, and look for precision screwdrivers. You can go to certain places and buy a kit with one screwdriver and several different heads that you can put into it, but that steel tends to bend really easily. Go to places where it usually has a black tip. Those screwdrivers will work very, very well, and they won't cause any of the screws to get bent or to not be able to turn. I'd really recommend you're going to a hardware store and finding the right pair of screwdrivers for you. We've talked about some logistics and some materials. Let's get into the musical details. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to prepare your band. That's your job. I'll give you some thoughts as we get closer to the day with maybe some things that you want to do. But this is, again, two weeks out. I like to, number one, establish warm-up procedures for the concert day and practice the sequence in the given time. So, for example, we have three bands at Wando, and they're going grade five, six, and what we call six masterworks, which just means it's a difficult piece that's relatively long. Now, with each of those, they get 25 minutes of warm-up time. So we've already even started to think about here are the 25 minutes. This is the sequence that we're going to go through. Let's just start getting into that habit each and every day. So we know that we have about 15 minutes of fundamental work that we're doing and then another 10 to 15 minutes where we're doing what we call our hit list. Basically, those parts of the piece, those places that we need to to play one more time before we go into the actual performance. I cannot emphasize enough how important this is. It has saved my life many times, or it has hurt me when I've forgotten to do it in the past. So establish that timeline of those 25, 30 minutes that you'll be in the warm-up room so that no one is surprised by what you do there. Kids should know exactly what they're going to do when they sit down in the warm-up. I often will allow my students to play about two minutes on their own, nothing nothing taxing. I won't even let them play any of their music, just long tones and getting used to what they sound like in the room and what it sounds like around them. Now, we won't perform in that room, but it does allow them to just kind of shake loose a little bit. And if there are any problems with their instrument, they can tend to find them right there. While you're in the warm-up room, do not play through an entire work. I've seen some people do that, and it's always a mistake. For every minute that you have of a work, I usually like to have two things per minute that I want to address before we go in. And that usually fills up my final 10 to 15 minutes with either band that I'm conducting. If you are to sight read at your assessment, I know here and in Texas, they have a sight reading component. You want to do that many times before it is time. Meaning for about the two weeks that you have, You want to every day try and sight read something as part of the rehearsal. Now, I have a system that I'll explore with you in a future episode involving post-it notes and dividing the time into smaller chunks. I don't think you're going to want to miss that. Now I want to talk with you a little bit about tuning and tuning particularly for performance on stage. 
A number of people have different ideas on this, so I'm just gonna share with you kind of what I do and what's worked really well for me in the past. Anytime you go into a new space or a new hall, you're going to need to tune. Just walking from a warm-up area in the same building to a hall can really change. The humidity and the temperature itself can be really different. So I think you at least need to tune right when you get on stage. Maybe not again, but if I'm honest with you, I tend to tune about every 15 minutes that we're on stage, maybe maybe 20. Uh, so sometimes that's only once uh, at the beginning. Sometimes it's two or three times, depending on the length of the concert. But what you do want to do is figure out who is going to give that. I tend to go with the safest example, and that's usually my first chair clarinet player. I've had oboe player give it a couple of times. I have had piano player give it if it's if it's a piece where piano tuning is really important. I've also seen people use the tuba to do that. Um, One of the things that Greg Bim did that I don't know if I've seen many other places, he had the bass clarinets often give a starting pitch for everything to kind of blend into. Doesn't matter which one. Whoever is your strongest, most consistent player, have them tune, if they're going to be the one on stage, have them tune you in rehearsal for at least two weeks out. Here is one of the fun games that I like to play two weeks out. It's called Outbreak. You have experienced a rare outbreak of some crazy flu, and 10% of your students have gotten ill on the performance day. You have to figure out who they might be and then see, can we do this without that person in the section? So here's where it gets really fun. I guarantee you, you have a soloist, you probably have a percussionist that's playing snare in a critical part, such as the uh, snare drum in a march, take out your key players have them just sit and have everyone else try to play without them i gotta tell you the first time you do that it's going to be very rough use this to your advantage take out any of your soloists any key first year players a couple of percussionists and they have to sit there during the the run through and let the band see what would happen if they weren't there here's one of the things that i would also throw in right here is a little bit of an added bonus have the brass players give the instruments a bath two weeks out, but no closer. You'll find that there there may be issues that come up with the horn, things that are shaken loose or knocked loose that uh, cause you some problems, cause clogs or cause uh, other issues in the instrument. If you have that happen two weeks out, you can recover from it. Well, I've given you a lot to think about in the two weeks out policy. Remember, become a time lord and plan for some extra time. However, don't ever give the kids more than 30 minutes of unsupervised or unplanned activity. Make sure you are always in control. Think about the extra scores that you need, number them quickly, and erase anything that may be in there. Concert dress, define it and be ready to refine it. Uh, Let the students have a little bit of choice but also figure out what you can and cannot deal with. What is acceptable to you and what is not. Check out your repair kit. Make sure you have everything in there that you may possibly need. Think about the musical details, making sure that you know the warm-up policy and procedure, know the time limit that you have, know the space that you'll have, and then plan for it accordingly. Never play through the entire work. Sight read as much, as many times as you can, and check in for that next podcast so that I can tell you how to do that sight reading process a little bit better. Figure out your tuning note, play outbreak, clean the instruments. 
Uh, it's a lot. I know it is. And now's the time to think about it because as you get closer, you're going to want to think more about the music and the kids than about the process. So to end this, remember that one thing from our last podcast I asked you to do? Uh, actually, a couple of people already commented on it saying, hey, I liked your three M's, the mom, the Mike Tyson, and the Mothra judge that you had us sent to. I told you to come up with those three. So do you have it? Who are the three people you're going to ask to listen to your recording? Here's your homework for next time. Send a recording of one of your pieces, just one, to a listener. Tell them some crazy guy on a podcast challenged you to do it and you're just following up. If you'd like a little bit more information or some clarity as to how to ask or what to ask those listeners, check out one of our bonus podcasts that are right below so that you can see the ways in which you should have people listen and critique your band. So there it is. That's your homework for next time. And there's our episode on Concert Festival two weeks out. I hope you've laughed a little and I hope I've made you think some. Be sure to check out our Facebook page and give us a like there. Go to iTunes or any of the podcast listening platforms that you may use and leave us a comment or like us there. We certainly want to make this useful and user-friendly, so give us some suggestions as to how we can make this better. Well, that just about wraps it up for me this week. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of That Band Life. 